Whether they've been the New South Wales Rangers, Riverside in the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, Hunting Camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Well, hey everyone, welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. On your host, Craig Hales. Well, it's uh, it's good to be back. It's been a uh, I think about four weeks since I recorded the last one, or probably three weeks since the last one come off. So, thanks for bearing with me. It's uh, it's been a, a big month. Um, got back from overseas just a week and a half ago. Um, as most would know, if you follow us on social media, we spent some time at the ATA show. Um, and then uh, I headed off to my Ibex hunt down in New Mexico, which was an absolute blast. Um, unfortunately, I, I didn't tag out, but um, yeah, there was it was nothing short of amazing. So it, uh, a really good time down there, something very, very different, extremely physical and challenging, and um, had my chances, but uh, unfortunately didn't come off. But um, I will cover that in a later episode. Um, we've got a, another guest lined up to, uh, we're going to talk about Ibex, so it should be a good one. So, But today's guest is uh, Ian Summers. It, um, we had a really fun chat the other night. Um, you know, we just went through the, or a bit of Ian's trip. He spent a fair bit of time in the States over the last couple of months, and um, yeah, we sort of go over a fair bit of gear at, uh, at the ATA show. It, um, you know, we got loads of questions. It was awesome to hear from you guys. You know, firing questions through about different bows and gear and that that we'll have a look at. So, um, you know, I felt very privileged to be over there and and uh, been able to share a little insight. You know, get the touch and feel and uh, and that share that with you. So, I hope you enjoyed today. One, we had a good good just general round chat and uh, you know it's pretty easy going. So, uh, I hope everyone's getting ready for the rut. It's only a a few weeks away now. Um, already seen a few things uh, coming through on social media, uh, a few velvet bucks and that, which is good to see everyone getting out there. Um, hopefully, we start seeing some moisture. It's probably a bit late to to obviously uh, fix any sort of trophy potential up, but uh, at least it um, you know it might make things a little bit more comfortable. And 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 purely from the farmer's point of view, you know they need a break. So let's hope for a bit of moisture between now and and uh end of march and and hopefully it makes things a little bit more comfortable out there so best of luck to everyone um and, and another thing you know if anyone's out and around or whoever's going to the wild deer expo i uh, look forward to catching up with everyone down there um it's gonna be my first time down there so i'm really looking forward to to checking it out and uh, seeing and and putting some uh to faces to some names and uh it's gonna be really fun down there and and hopefully it should be a good couple of days so i'm looking forward to that getting friday afternoon and uh then fly back home sunday arvo so look forward to everyone catch up with everyone down there and uh yeah come up say hello tell me who you are and um yeah look forward to having a yarn so it should be good so anyway guys we'll get to this episode ian summers enjoy all right guys welcome to the hunting camp down under got a, a legend of the game with us today you're gonna love that aren't you <laughs> <laughs> mr ian summers joins us today to uh to cover many things including the ata show how are you summers yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Going real good, mate. Going real good. Thanks for putting up with me, mate. It's, uh, it's taken a few weeks to get back to normal, I suppose you could say. You're a bit the same. Yeah, very much so. You know, you're coming from being over in the States. I was over there for a month and like the coldest was negative 22. And when I come back, it was 30. And when I got in the shed, it was probably 40. 
So, yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> oh, it's a culture shock. It's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it, just a whirlwind. I mean, even when we were over there, we, I mean, you were in, well, you in Montana. What? You're telling yeah, us went, the wind chill there? Yeah. What was the go over there? Yeah, well, we, there was, they had a, a blizzard there the day before New Year's, and um, it was the worst one that the guys that we stayed with, they'd been there for seven years, and I think we got about 26, 28 inches of snow, and we were out snow fishing um, about 400 metres from the house, you know, and it was um, negative 22 with a wind chill factor of 40. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. I remember seeing like, a few photos coming <laughs> through, and I'm just like, that doesn't look right. Nah, and it isn't. It isn't for an Aussie bloke. Like we just, you, you got that many clothes on, you can't even bloody pick your nose if you want to. You know, it's and you fall over in the snow, and it takes you five minutes to get back up because you got that many layers on. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy. You know. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, it, it it's good to experience that. I mean, we just you sort of can't even dream of that stuff back here. So it's um, you know, it looked like you had fun at the same time. Yeah, I was lucky because, like, um, I used to live with uh, Grant Hughes and, and Rachel Hayden, so lived with them for so long and heard so many stories, so wanted to have a white Christmas, so went over to visit them and, and uh, yeah, we we did a lot of things that we'd spoken about, you know, and it was awesome. And ice, ice fishing was definitely one of them and, yeah, it was pretty cool. You ended up, um, you did an indoor shoot too, did you? Yeah, I went yeah. to uh, Iowa, which was the, the first pro-am of the year for, for all the... Uh, the Grand Pooh Bar's over there, so I've never done an indoor shoot before, so that was quite exciting. And, uh, yeah, I did all right, really, because just don't set myself up for, for that type of stuff. But I enjoyed it. I think it's a really good sort of, uh, you know, type of archery. You can really get into the mojo of shooting a good shot and getting your release aid to go off when you want to. And, like, I'm just mainly a, a, a hunter first, and then I love my 3D, you know, and I think it could really help an archer to to uh, be a better shot, you know, and, and and execute a good shot. Yeah, that indoor stuff that um, I used to shoot a fair bit of it back home here and was they still run it actually, but, yeah, it always fine-tuned your skills. It was always good for that. Yeah, very much so. Like, you can get into a really good rhythm, you know, because you've got a time time limit on the shoot your arrows. Like, we did the five spot on the first day and, and, um, and then the second day you did the Vegas round, which have just had – like it's finished yesterday over there or today sort of thing. And, and um, yeah, you've got two minutes, 30 seconds to get three arrows off, you know. So you sort of and – you, and you're aiming basically for a – it's 20 yards or 18 metres and you're aiming at a 10-cent piece basically. That's what you've got to hit every time sort of scenario, you know, for the for the X. And I think the uh, 10 rings 40 mil, but don't hold me to that, but I think it's 40 mil round, you know. Mm. So it's a pretty small – uh, target to be aiming at and try and hit 30 arrows in it. And to think that they punch the X out. <laughs> Crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, Levi and all them get 30Xs, 29X and, yeah, 300s all the time. And you're just like, yep, it's, uh, you've still got a little bit of a, a ladder to climb to get as good as them. Oh, definitely. Was it Broadwater? Did he did he shoot he, off with Levi or did he shoot no, off with someone else? No, um, so at the Iowa, Levi wasn't even there. At the Iowa, he was off hunting, I think. So um, Jesse, um, Chris Perkins won it okay. from Matthew. Yep. It was the first the first shoot he did. I think Jesse got third, um, actually. Okay, and then yeah. Jesse won Vegas yesterday, didn't they? Yeah, I, I think he did, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm still sort of looking at who, who's come through, like as they're coming through there. But we were lucky because we actually shot right next to uh, – to Jesse Broadwater, and we were over there with uh, Andrew Sherman and Ben Cotton, and it was pretty funny because 
I got a photo of Ben. He was shooting right next to him, you know, and took a photo of him. And I said, oh, I got a photo with you shooting next to Jesse. And Ben goes, who's Jesse? And I shook <laughs> the head. And I said, mate, Google up Jesse Broadwater. When I, when I finished my end, I looked back at him and he was just shaking his head like going, what an idiot. <laughs> you know, but he was such a nice bloke. Like all those pros, are, you know, we all look at him from from here in Australia and sort of put them up on this pedestal. But obviously they're still human. And when you go over there, they're, they're really friendly and up for a chat. And you don't realise how much our Australian accent sort of carries over there. They With Steve Irwin and, and all those sort of people over there, you know, they, they freaking love you. Yeah, they pick it up pretty quick too. Where, yeah. where are you from? Yeah, that's, uh, exactly. that's pretty funny. Yeah. So, yeah. Ben, quite, Benny, quite Benny a, just had other things on his mind. That's That's what he had. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. For anyone yeah. who doesn't know Benny, Benny found love in America, so we'll we'll see how long he stays in Australia for. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, mate, so, uh, we'll bounce around a bit today, so everyone just bear with us. But um, for those that don't know you, Summers, how long have you been in archery for? Um, it gives a, a background in the industry. You've obviously been around a long time, so just a yeah hundred hundred word uh, biography, mate, um, on archery. Yeah, well, I started when I was 15 years old, um, and I've been in it for 30 years. This will be 31 years. Um, so I started down at Lilydale Bowman in, in Victoria and um, got into it. My father and mother were pretty sort of outgoing people, and we used to always go camping, fishing, shooting and all that. And um, Yeah, got into archery through one of Dad's work colleagues. He come around and showed us a compound bow, an old bear kit bow. It actually had a wooden riser and all that stuff, you know, and he shot a leaf on the front lawn, and I just went, geez, I've got to have a go at that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was 1987, and I uh, haven't, haven't looked back. And, um, yeah, been basically uh, did a lot of competition, but uh, my main thing was hunting. Uh, Travelled around Australia when I finished my apprenticeship. I'm a plumber by, by trade, and um, I shot a buffalo and a few other critters all around there. Got a few master bow owners with ABA and was on the committee for them as um, Victorian measurer and and whatnot, and then sort of left left that when I was uh, travelling around Australia and met a girl and you know got married and did all that stuff. Moved to Sydney and and uh, yeah went away from ABA and went into three D AAA and and did did that and um, yeah been pretty much involved with archery for all that time. Um, now I sort of do a lot of I actually have gone away from plumbing. Absolutely got out of construction. I, I was a supervisor for a company for 12 years and just was sick of it. And, um, yeah, now I basically do a couple of days with Abbey Archery, just going in there, tuning bows for them. And I build the uh, better press, bow press, do that in the shed. And um, I tune bows for people, restring bows, tune bows, and do a little bit of coaching here and there. So it's lucky to sort of say that I can make a bit of a living from the archery industry. That's good, mate. There's not too many people in Australia that can say that. So, and I must admit, you've got the most organised workshop I've ever seen, too. For anyone that hasn't seen Summers' workshop, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know where everything is. Mate. You do, mate. I wouldn't be able to find a damn thing, but you know where everything is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that what a creative mind's supposed to be? Apparently, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> good, pre- good press too, mate. I'll give you that one. I've, I've got one sitting in the shed. Doesn't get used very often. I just take it to someone else's house, and they do work for me because I'm hopeless. But uh, <laughs> yeah, for what I've used, it, it's a good press. Anyone that uh, looking for a bow press, check Summers out. They're a good one. 
Yeah, sort of. My my press does a little bit more. It's um, it's similar to an American Easy Press and whatnot, and it's also got a drawboard on it. And then I designed a um, an adapter for doing all the Hoyt bows and Beyond Parallel limb bows, some of the PCs, some of the expeditions, and and those type of bows that when you try and press them, um, they want to spit out the bottom of your your bow press. So I made something up that makes it all safe. So it's um, yeah. You can do it quite easily without any damage to the bows. Yeah, they've been well thought out. Mate, you, uh, you're obviously talking about your place. You had a pretty good crowd of people around, uh, around your joint on the weekend. Um, Brad Murphy ran a, one of his, well, it was two-day seminar, wasn't it? Yeah, this time it was because he had he only likes to sort of uh, do 10, 10 sort of clients in a day so he can basically run through his program that he has with his um you know, he's, he's got a um, projector and runs through a little bit and then goes out and does it and he wants to limit it to 10 people so he can have one-on-one with everyone so everyone can go away with um, something instead of having too big a crowd and someone feeling like they got a bit left out, you know. So because it was high demand, he ran it for two days this time and, um, yeah, so he does a very good job. I think it's uh, well needed in the sport considering it's – it's getting so big and, um, you know, uh, a lot of people have have a lot of uh, gear and all that stuff, but they sort of uh, miss the point, the fundamentals of shot execution, you know, draw lengths and sights and stabilisation and sharpening broadheads and not hunting any uh, native animals and all that sort of stuff. So it's all sort of getting out there in the right the right manner. You're saying, you're saying a little bit earlier there before you're, um, you're going through – he sort of Brad sort of covers sort of everything you said you were sort of saying um, from the basics to you know getting in a little bit more technical with the shooting and that you know yeah um, if you if you don't mind step it through um, a little bit what you seem to think that uh, was the most important out of the course look I on, honestly I think it's uh, for for person personally it's it's you have to. Um, involve yourself around people that know a little bit more than yourself you know what i mean you're always going to grow more um it's it's the fundamentals of life you know what i mean if you you hang around the right people you're going to learn a lot more a lot quicker and you're not going to make the same mistakes you know and some people go in and they have a budget which is fine but they want to get something brand new instead of something maybe secondhand that was probably better quality than that and they sort of buy buy twice really because they get into it they love it and then they realize oh shit this isn't probably the best bow or whatever i've got where when you go to something like this you've got all the equipment and you can sort of go okay let's fine tune you if the bow's all set there and okay i'm doing this wrong you know like the biggest thing i've sort of seen with people is um draw lengths are sometimes too long too short they punch the trigger or i call it drive by um, they don't know the fundamentals of using the right body muscles and whatnot and, and um, pulling through on a shot correctly and, and using a release aid correctly and setting their bows up correctly. You know, there's, there's that many bows I get and, you know, they're, they're out of time, um, things are done incorrectly and these guys are pretty good shots but they could be better shots, you know what I mean, if they learnt a little bit more. I think a big thing is too, I mean, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but, um, you know, people, it's one of them ga- games that a lot of people get into, get out very quick. And I reckon by going down this path, um, getting as good as gear as you can forge straight up, um, but then, yeah, getting shown how to use it, how to use it properly from, from guys like yourself and Brad, um, yeah. that I think will, it'll shorten up the learning 
time. And yep. then obviously, hopefully, keep a few more people in the sport uh, for yep. longer periods of time as well without getting frustrated. Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen it over the time where you see you see guys that come in and, and they, you know, pick it up, very good hand-eye coordination and uh, and they listen to you and all that sort of stuff and then they pick it up and then um, they they progress straight away. It's an, it's an uphill, you know, curve what they're doing and they win a few comps and, and their head gets a bit big and then all of a sudden the old TP, which is standard for, you know, target panic and, <laughs> and it's not a good word to say, so you just say TP and and whatnot, and then that starts coming in, they start drive by, and then that uphill, you know, what they've gone, they start plateauing, and if anything, they start going downhill, and then instead of just saying, well, hang on a sec, I've got an issue here, and maybe asking some of these guys that are out there, and, and I don't know too many guys that would turn you back, especially in 3D AAA, there's so many guys I could mention that you need to just ring them up or anything like that and, and say, listen, I've got this issue. If you're willing, and that's the really big question, of if you're willing to listen to what they've got to say and work on it, you know, like if you've got if you've got TP pretty bad, you've got to be willing to look at doing it for about three months of hard work, of pulling sights off your bow, blank bale shooting, eyes closed, work on that, and then slowly build it up and then go to the next stage, then open in your eyes, then go to the next stage, put a sight on, still blank bale, then put a target in front of you. And as soon as you start doing a bit of a drive-by, you've got to go back to the step before. You know, it's um, it's a very hard process. Not many people want to admit it and, and not many people want to try and fix it. Yeah, for sure. But when everyone's been through it, and if they say they haven't, well, haven't shot enough arrows. Yeah, definitely. No, it, it comes and it, as you just said, it happens to the best of them. And, I can, you know, the pros that we are talking about earlier, you know, if you read some of their bios and that kind of stuff, and they've all been through yeah. it. 100%, 100%, you know, and it's um, and it's just something that's part of archery, you know. And, and um, yeah, and, and if, if you – a lot of people think that you've got to shoot hundreds of arrows a day. And, and I'm not really into that. I think that if you shoot 20 good arrows a day, that's 10 times better than shooting 150 arrows a day because all you're doing is just, you know, you might as well go to gym and, and do those exercises that you're doing because at least you're, you're building those muscles up and you're building your core up and all that stuff. But if you actually shoot 20 good arrows a day and and write them down, you know, put them on a whiteboard next to where you're shooting and, and, and sort of basically – you know, give yourself a percentage ratio on how that shot felt. So it means that you're accountable for every single shot you're shooting. And at the end of the day, you're going to look at it and say, oh, I'm only at 50% at the moment out of 20 arrows. I'm shooting, you know, 10 of them that are pretty good and the rest of them are pretty rank. Well, it's telling you that if, you know, you've got to start practicing a bit better. And, the um, big thing that'll yeah. pull up as well is, um, and and I'm on with you. I'm terrible when it comes to to practice. If anyone um, knows me, when it's you know it's generally a week before I go hunting. But um, the big yeah. thing I find is you know when you're hunting, you got one shot. Mm. You don't get ten warm up ones. Exactly. So I find the best I've got. I just generally have me both set up. I'm lucky. I'm on a, I'm on a farm, so um, I you know my targets are set up all the time. But like yours yours at home, um, so I just I literally grab the three arrows out of the that I have set up there, I shoot the three and yep. I'll let you go to work or, you know, whatever I'm doing. Um, so I try and get that that fast muscle memory so it's yep. it's there all the time. So in all honesty, if I have more than 20 shots, I shoot like absolute shit. I go, yep. I go downhill real fast yep. because I start thinking about it too much. 
and that's exactly right, you know. And sometimes it's it's a really good thing, you know, like where you, exactly what you said, I do the same thing because, like, with 3D, you're shooting an arrow every three or every sort of 15 to 20 minutes. Yep. You're shooting one arrow, you know what I mean? So there's no point sitting there emptying your quiver, walking up and doing it. Like, if you're doing indoor, you shoot the three arrows or five arrows, and if you're doing feeder, you shoot your six arrows. That's all practice conglomerate to what you're doing, you know what I mean? But Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, like, for us with 3D or hunting, you're walking around carrying that bastard more than what you're shooting at. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you want to be able to go, yep, I want to pull it back. I want it to feel good. I want peep sight to line up. I want everything to be there and have a nice, calm shot, you know. That's good practice. I feel like me in 2017 and the start of 2018, I released two arrows. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I've done some miles for two arrows, I'll tell you. But anyway, that's another story. But uh, um Mate, talking about uh, you know gear and shooting, you know you and I and a, and a good crew were lucky enough to to get over to the ATA show uh, last month, and, and I do have to thank everyone for for getting on board and sending us all messages. I know you're answering questions, uh, myself and and all the other guys that were there, um, you know Brad Murphy included, Jerry Redmond. We all had questions come through about gear and that, so I loved it. If I haven't written back to you. I will, <laughs> but hopefully this podcast yeah. will cover a few questions that everyone had. Um, Ian and I spent some time. We pretty much did most of the booths together there at, at one point. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, we, we definitely found good things about, you know, every booth we went to. It was something totally new to me. I'd never done something that, and it was – I couldn't believe how big it was. Uh, the amount of gear in that joint was was ridiculous, and uh, it's, it's just like a big lolly shop, isn't it? It is. It's really expensive <laughs> um, yeah, when you come yeah, home. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know what the ATA show about is, it's the Archery Trade Trade Show Association. Um, so pretty much, it's all based for retailers. It's not a public event. Um, so we obviously got through on on different companies, but um, I got through on the podcast, and and I know some of you were there for, for through Abby, and yeah. um, you know, so we all sort of you know we make our own applications to get there. So you know, we were fortunate, and um, I wanted to do this with Ian to um, you know to share some of the stuff we've seen, and and I know a lot of stuff has come through, but it's you know made a bit of photos and that through Instagram, but. Uh, mate, you, you kick us off. Um, you know how I missed the first day. How was your first day when you first walked in there? Yeah, that was pretty pretty full on. You're just sort of having a smirk on your face and just looking. And obviously, you're seeing people. You know all the, the famous people that you sort of go, oh yeah, you know that's that Joe Blogs and that Joe Blogs. But yeah, we just started looking and trying to see what was new. Um, basically, broadhead wise, clothing wise, um, obviously bows and arrows, and you know there's these days, there is no terrible archery, you know, company that makes a bow. They're all they're all very good. It's just whether some have got, you know, um, a better attributes that that particular person likes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you can't you can't go wrong with any of the the major bows. Um, yeah. So they they're all sort of good. We did that over there. We found we can't do too much in Australia. There's a lot of crossbows. Yeah, um, that's pretty that's, cool. Yeah, that's really hit the American market. Um, it's sort of actually taken a little bit away from the bow and arrow sort of side of things um, because a lot more states have opened up access with the uh, crossbow. Yeah. 
Um, and so what they're sort of saying is, you know, one crossbow can fit a family of four, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, you just Once it's cocked, you just have to pull the trigger, you know, and let it go. So we had to go at a couple of the crossbows over there. They're pretty radical oh. how fast how fast they shoot. <laughs> they still scare the shit out of me every time I heard one go off. Yeah. yeah oh, man, well, they're loud. If anyone hasn't seen one go off, they're loud. They're real loud, and and what the one we shot was oh, I can't remember the name. It we had full draw. It's six inch from axle to axle, and it does like four hundred feet a second. <laughs> it, it it actually kicks back like a two two three going off. Oh, right? it's, yeah, they were crazy bits of gear. I yeah, it was the first time I'd really sort of taken notice of them. As you said, you know, we don't really have the access to them here, so no. uh, that was pretty wild to step into and see them. Yeah, I think I think obviously a, a big surprise was the Matthews Triax that had a lot of a lot of um, hype around it, and uh, we we're lucky to be able to shoot it a fair bit. And, and um, yeah, it's quite an impressive bow for really what it is. Yep. Um, I think for a shorter draw person, it's a, it's a definitely a go. It's and even though people sort of say, oh, it's you know, people sort of get too hidden these days with axle to axle. Um, like what they're forgetting about is how big all these cams are, and mm. you really got to look at these bows at full draw and measure the string angles from them and all that. I seem to do it with a lot of the bows that come into the shop. I'm really lucky with working with Abby. You know, I've got all the all the major brands in there, and and basically I can be, you know, go in there and play with all these different bows and 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 play with that sort of stuff. And like a a triax at full draws. Um, the string angle is the same as a 32 axle to axle bow. Yep. So it's not as small as what people think, you know, because if you have a little cam size on them, the cams are about seven or eight inches tall, you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, and it was a really nice bow, very quiet. Um, the new Hoyts are very good, the RX1s and all that. They've fixed up the issues that they've had for 2017 with uh, the bottom limb having a few um, issues with leaning cams. Now they've rectified that which is a very good plus for them. Um, they're tuning up really nice. They're shooting good. Seem to be very popular. Let's do that. Let's let's jump through the flagships. Um, I know you spent some time pretty much in most of the booths. So, um, yeah. yeah, you start with the Triax. Um, yeah. So that was their sort of, like like Matthews obviously have, um, have got Levi Morgan back on board and um, they've also got Jesse Broadwater and um, Chris Perkins and all these sort of good shooters now that are coming out, you know, and, and then that was their sort of their hunting version of the bow. Their other ones are sort of not much newer than what they had. Um, so that was their sort of major um, one. Then obviously the RX-1 was with the Hoyts, the uh, the Bowtech, um, the, the Realm, the Realm X, and the BT Mag were their sort of new ones for this year. Um, Just step us through, yeah. Step us through them, Summers. Which ones, yeah. which, and what suits so, what? So, there's a BT Mag which was come out in 2017, and now they've brought out the, the BT Mag uh, X, which is the longer version. So it starts at 30 inch and goes to 34 inch, oh. and um, so it's for those long draw. That's definitely you know, not me and you. No, no, it's for the <laughs> for the knuckle draggers in the world. Yeah. So. And um, so a lot of, and it's 36 axle axles and all that sort of stuff. So it's a beautiful bow for those guys. Um, then they brought out the Realm. Um, so that's just above 30 inch axle axle, but the same thing. That's nearly 32 and a half at full draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Realm X is 33 and a bit. 
And so I actually haven't measured that. I've, I bought one the other day um, this week, and I'm super happy they've changed the grip on it. I love the Bowtex. Everyone that knows me knows that I'm a Bowtech man. I just love the tunability on them. I love how they've got a yoke top and bottom. Um, yeah, they did have issues with limbs there for a few years. and They have and changed they, their limbs now, haven't they? That's right. In 2007, yep. they got a they got a, a 17. They got a new new captain at the helm, and he basically went in there and said the bows are awesome, but we've got an issue with the limbs. And um, so they said instead of having outsourced limbs, they as of 2017 they brought them in house, and ever since then they've they've uh, the the rain came out, the rain seven, rain six, and they've been absolute phenomenal bows. Yeah, there's been a couple of issues with limbs, the ones that I've seen. We've sold a lot of them, but. They've all been from knocks on rocks and stuff, and that's always going to happen with a high high For pressure sure. sort of rim and all that sort of stuff. It happens with every single bow, and if some people say that that doesn't, they're they're lying. And you know, we see them in the shop. Every single every single bow, unfortunately, has limb issues if they get hit against a rock or a sharp surface because they're yeah. under so much tension. Um, but yeah, it's it's just the way it is. So that's they're they're really good. And, in, and on the realm X and that they've actually brought in a different type of compound in their limb. It's nearly twenty five mil wide. They've put double bearings on the the top and bottom on each limb. So yeah, they've really sort of stepped up the game and and they've made the limb sort of a bit more um, upright instead of beyond parallel. Yeah. Um, it does give a little bit. I found there is a little bit of hand shock in the Realm X, but um, I'm still playing with it. Um, I think I'll tune that out of it, and with stabilisation and everything, I think it'll be good. But they definitely aim. Yep. They seem to be quiet, and they seem to spit out an arrow. And um, so that was that was sort of Bowtex ones, and then went up to the Elite booth, um, shot a few of their bows, and I think the the pick of their bows is the Ritual. Um, They're just ugly. Yeah, but they, they <laughs> sorry, shoot, but they the, the elites, but, they shot. There's they no doubt shot. about it. They can shoot, but if yeah. you're someone that likes what they like, should like looking at what they shoot, but that was the only trouble I had with them. Yeah, yeah, but see, like I, I've always sort of, I, I shot elite bows from 2017 to 2010, uh, 2007, sorry, to 2010, and, and the GT500 I thought was a pick, you know, that mm-hmm. was a, 35 axle axle, seven inch brace. So I used to do 343 feet a second, you know, and they they just never had any other bow come out like that except when I shot that ritual. I went, oh, that feels very similar to a GT500, and I think they're going to have a lot of good sales with that bow. Mm. Yeah. I but, think, um, and I think uh, I didn't get a chance. Did you get a chance to go to the Prime? No, I went past there and it, it seemed to be very busy, which obviously means a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've shot a few primes, and the primes are—they actually shoot very similar to a, a Realm X as far as the limb design on them and whatnot. Uh-huh. They're slightly upright. Um, a prime's a very nice bow. Um, they, they definitely aim well, and they seem to shoot good. Um, yeah, they, there's nothing wrong with the prime whatsoever. You know, um, PS, PSE didn't sort of seem to change much. They were that a that a pretty they cool that pretty yeah. cool booth that a semi trailer in this place, but. Um, I couldn't really see anything that sort of stood out to me, and sorry to any PC lovers, but yeah, there was there was that they brought out the new carbon, um, new carbon bow, and I found their older version a lot nicer in the hand. This one's got a real bulky grip on it. Um, they've they've beefed it up a bit because they had a few issues with um, uh, limb. Oh, sorry, the riser cracking and that. Um, so they've obviously beefed it up a bit, but I felt that it was they've gone a fraction overboard. Yep. But it's obviously because, look, carbon bows, to me, uh, everyone loves a carbon bow and all that stuff, but 
the problem I find with carbon bows, you've got to put a lot of stabilisation on them to get that hand shock out of them, you know what I mean? Mm. So you're sort of losing the, the fact of it, really. I noticed that was the big difference, and I had shot the carbon ones in the Hoyts um, previously, but that was the biggest thing that I found different this year, shooting those new ones. Yeah. Is they, that, I'm not going to say it's gone completely, but it was, yeah, it was pretty damn good. Um, and and I, I think that's with their roller guard system. It's a lot closer to the riser now, yeah. so therefore it hasn't got hasn't got that uh, lateral movement. And I reckon that's where it was coming from yeah. from the old models. It was sticking off the riser a bit, and that's where that vibration was coming from the the cables when they were coming off the shot. Yep, yep. Yeah. Now, they've um, you know typical of Hoyt and and a, and obviously the other leaders in in, in bow design. Um, you know they've thought about it where they've got the. You know they've already got the offset facing thread for the rear facing stabilizer. Yeah, you know, they've they are they they you know them and and probably Matthews I know and Botech I suppose or probably I'd say they're the, they're the top three. Um, yes. The only thing I didn't like about Triax is just me and a Matthew thing. I just don't like the grip. I just doesn't do no, it for me. Um, yeah. It's still straight upright. Um, and and I guess that's why I sort of you know always seem to lean back to Hoyt is only because I've shot them for so long and they just suit suit my grip, I suppose I could say. Um, no, I totally 100% agree. Yeah, like if I if I ever got a Matthews in my hand, that'd be the first thing I'd do is put in a, one of the adjustable grips on them so yeah. you can pull it up because yeah. they're just too, like, too upright. And it's crazy. I mean, your pros are shooting them deadly, you know. So it's I guess it all comes back to, you know, as everyone's probably listening to thinking, you know, thinking you're just going into it too far. But, yeah, we are trying to get picky on these for people just based on the questions that we had coming through. Um, yeah, You know, what's exactly the difference? Right. And to have them all there in front of us, you know, we're pretty spoilt. So well, we that was jo- the thing. We like, could, you could from walk one from, booth to the next. Yeah, you could walk from one stand to the other and then go half an hour later, go, it's still intriguing me, that bow. I'll go back and have another 10 shots. Like, like um, Brad Murphy was the same. Like, <laughs> he just he let was, wore their bows out. Yeah, he was he was a bloody man. He was there every time. They knew him by first name by the end of the bloody APA show. The Botech definitely did. Like, yeah. I think I think who did he end up with? He was the BTEC mag, wasn't he? BT mag. That's right. That's yeah. It was between. It was funny because he he liked the elite, and then he went to the BT mag, and then he goes, "No, nah, I don't like the BT mag." That was the first then day. Went, then he went over to the Hoyt, and then the next day it was. The Hoyt and the BT Mag, and then yeah, and then in the end, it was the BT Mag that won. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and we didn't cover it. The Hoyts, the RX One is the the the, the flagship, and obviously yeah. the options to that are the Ultra, which is your longer axle to axle, um, and then the Turbo, which is obviously the slightly faster 16. bow, yeah, um, just under six inches, and I think the RS One RX One is six inch brace height. Um, the Turbo slightly, obviously, I. Shot both um, the RX1 and the Turbo. Ultra was too long for me, but um, the Turbo is just that slightly, you know, harsher draw. I suppose you could say it does. Yes. I found it had a lot, a really nice back wall though. So even though it was a little bit more to get it to rock into the valley, um, it was rock solid once you got once you're in there. So depending yeah. on depending on what you like and what your form's like, um, you certainly won't be able to get lazy in your form, uh, which I think is a good thing because it keeps you checked all the time. So just depending on how you shoot. That's exactly right, yeah. And they seem to be the new models that we've we've had in at the shop. They all seem to be tuning up really well, and there's no issues that that we had prior, prior to that with um, yeah, Camling. 
Yep, so. yep, definitely. So, and I, um, you know, there was a couple of other um, brands there that, as I said, we we didn't get a chance to shoot PSE or, or Prime, um, but they're, you know, obviously they got their following as well. So, yeah. Um, but I think, look, if if anyone's out there looking to buy a new bow, um, I know it's hard, but obviously, you know, Abby's got a bloody good range down there at the moment. I was seeing a photo the other day. Uh, yeah, there's a bucket load of bows sitting in there. So if you do get the chance to get down there, it is great to probably shoot them because I think, as you can probably tell by us, everyone finds something uh, they like out of a bow. As I said, my pick was the the Hoyt. Um, you know, Summers was the, the Realm. And, yeah. um, and I know, you know, a couple of boys, you know, with the Triax. So, which that, oh, I must admit, the Triax was the surprise package. I, I, I've got to admit that. So, um, you know, they're, they're certainly all shooters, that's for sure. Well, that's that's it. And and the good thing about Abbey Archery also, there's a shooting lane in there. Um, so, the, you're more than welcome to come in and, and uh, we'll we'll set up the bow for your draw length and you can uh, have a shot of several different bows, you know what I mean? So that's sort of try before you buy and you can turn around and, you know, I've had it to a, a good mate of mine, Grant Rand. He's, he's um, had elite, had Hoyts and, and uh, he went in there and with intentions with an elite and, and ended up by walking out with a, a rain six, yep. you know, and it was just because he had the opportunity to play with it and, and goes, well, I find this shooting better, you know, and he, he loves it. It's been good for him. I know there's a shipment of bears coming in the other day. Have you had Correct. much to play with them? Mate, they're a surprise package, eh? Like, they're a, they're a sort of, you know, like bear, obviously, with Fred Bear and all that stuff. With the, the, the old The old cronies that have been around and seen him and stuff. But, yeah, there's a lot of entry-level bows that come out with kits and that, and they shoot unreal. Yeah, they actually shoot really good bows, yeah. So there's definitely nothing wrong with with uh, grabbing a bear bow. Like there's a lot of them that are fast and all that stuff, but they're they're entry level where people can't afford the you know the Hoyts or the the top end elites or or um, Bowtex and that, and they'll still walk away and still have a bloody good bow that will last them for several years until they go. Yeah, well, I'm going to afford to get a something else now. You know. Yeah, that's good feedback. That's real good feedback. Um, obviously, you know, stepping into probably gear now. Obviously, the bow. It's all good that the bow shoot but um, yep. then we really start getting technical when we start to get in the gear because I know you and I were like little kids running around there a couple of them boosts but um, <laughs> I've got to admit that, that what impressed me I know you you're there we did a little video on it but um, you know the Axel AccuTouch yep. the sights um, I think it's Accu Plus I think is the scope it's got a crosshair and that in it mate yep. the way they're built um, as I said there's a great gear there aren't but they, they they are smick. Anyone looking for either a single pin um, or the the multi pin, their multi pin. Oh man, yeah, you've got to you got to you got to check them out. The, the pins are phenomenally clear, and you've also there's like a slide that's on the the housing, and so you can slide the slide around and gather sunlight and light and increase or decrease the amount of light that goes on the fiber optic and and you know so. And they are super crisp, you know, and, and just the way they're built, there's no slop. Everything's adjustable, you know. It's they're a bit of work of art. Yeah, they're not the cheapest side on the market, but like anything, I'd buy once, you know, and yep. and uh, it'll last forever. I think uh, one thing that I've um, yeah getting technical again, but obviously I just come back from an ibex hunt and and 
prior to that, you know, I never really done much on the whole, you know, leveling up using the bubble and all that. I, yep. um, I kind of got my ass kicked um, in the practice before heading off. And, um, you know, good mate Benny that's been on the podcast, he sort of helped me out through this. And, you know, we got it all checked up. And um, the site that I'm shooting at the moment, you know, the the third axis so anyone that doesn't know when you when you shoot steep angles downhill and uphill uh, that's what we call the third axis adjustment so it's when the bubble becomes level or not level on on the on downhill or uphill and they generally shoot opposite so if you're shooting downhill and you're shooting right when you face uphill it'll shoot left and and obviously that'll switch around so um Adjusting your third axis is probably one of the worst things I've ever tried to do with a bow. <laughs> it is a nightmare. Um, but the only really way you can do it is to shoot it. Um, I've tried to did the levels and all that kind of stuff. You can get it to a certain point, but then you've just That's, got to yes. shoot it. That's right. And it's also that a really good point with that too is is also how you draw your bow, believe yep. it or not. Yep. If, you're, um, if your toes are pointing downhill, say, say the hill's going from high on your left shoulder going down to your right and your toes are pointing downhill when you draw your bow you should draw your bow so your top limbs up into the hill mm-hmm. and then and then level the, the pin back because that'll actually get a better shot process yep. Yep. and yep. um yeah and that'll help with that but it's, it's actually funny you're talking about that as um one of the guys that were on the on the uh, course on the weekend you were saying the further i go back you know i'm shooting to the right and I said, well, it could be one of two things, you know, either your centre shot's out or, or your third axis is out, you know. And as it turned out, his, his centre shot was spot on, and uh, but his, his sight was crazy out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've set all that up for him, and hopefully when he comes back on Wednesday night, we can, we can tune it for him for his, his eyes, and hopefully it's all spot on now. Definitely. So that's something for for everyone to check out. If you you know you tune your bow and you've just got to picked up a new one, especially if there's a new site, um, you know it's something to check is your third axis. There's plenty of stuff on YouTube and that kind of thing. Um, uh, Hamskies have got a good one out. Um, obviously, they're you know they've got a level out as a bubble level out as well that can be very helpful. So, um, but where I was running with that was the the site that I currently shoot um, has the adjustment actually on the the arm. So it's on the dovetail arm, and what I found was the adjustment is two. You can move it a mil, but that's like three mil or four mil at the front, where these the the axial sights, it's all at the front of the sight. So it's all where your windy jigs and all that. So your third axis adjustment is right next to your second axis. Um, so your yeah. micro adjustment is micro. Um, I know, it's sort of, until you have to go and do it, it won't make any sense. But that was a big thing that I found. Yeah, and also what I found with them is they've got a release coming out, um, hopefully April, um, and that's the goat. And that was uh, we were lucky to sort of have a chinwag with with um, Greg Summers, who's one of he's the owner of um, Trueball XL, and and he got one of his engineers to show us. And sorry, what was the name of that again, mate? The goat. The goat. Yeah, yeah. It's been named by Rio Wild. Rio Wild actually shot it. On the first day at the Iowa Classic, um, he didn't do it on the second day. He went back to uh, the one he was normally using, and um, HBC, I think it was. But um, it's basically one that they've been working on that is a uh, thumb trigger, that, it, and then you can turn it into a back tension in the same release. Um, I put a video up of it on uh, Facebook, I think it was, and Instagram. <laughs> And um, probably Facebook was probably too long for Instagram, but yeah, and showed you how 
the engineer just swapped it over. It has a little pin that goes in the back. It stores in the back, and then you lock that pin and and turns in from a trigger to a, a back tension, and you can swap it back again. So I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah, that was, they're definitely uh, guys. They're, they're certainly a, a brand to to check out if you're in the in the market for for new site release aids or whatever it may be. Um, and don't quote me if I'm wrong, but Abbey carry most of their range as well, Summers. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, so, um, you know, once again, jump on the website there um, or get down to the shop. Um, so, yeah, they're um, they're certainly worth having a look at. Um, another release aid that really stood out to me was the stand release aids. Um, yeah, they're good. I know there's a fair few guys already shooting them here. They, they are on the expensive side, I must admit. But uh, once again, you said it before, you know, you buy right, buy once. Yeah, that's um, right. They do a couple of good things. Um, the SX3... Um, which is the you know the thumb release um, they more or less do the exact same release in back tension as well so depending on how you like to shoot um, but what I liked as well they do have a training pin so you can put the the jaw on you can lock the jaw on you can put a little screw a little pin in and you that it won't go off so you can practice your your draw you can check things and stuff like that so that's yeah, pretty handy. it'll still it'll still do a little click but it, won't it will do a click up. but it won't yeah. let the jaw come open Correct, which um, is an awesome, awesome training. Especially when you're when you're testing, yeah, just just little things you you know you might be checking your level or whatever you may be doing. So it all just little things that they've thought about, you know, just like like all the companies have got their little their little niches well, that they're trying to fill. It's also a really good aiming um, sort of system. You know what I mean? Like there's there's other ways of doing it, but that way they're so much easier. Where you can you can actually aim on a target out in the field and all that stuff. And then go through your shot and see how the bow reacts after the shot. Now, sometimes you might be anticipating the shot, and it'll show via the stabilizer, especially if you're using long rods like 30 inch rod out the front, and you start pulling through the shot and it goes off. You'll see that stabilizer, a lot of the bow will just sit perfectly in your hand. And A, that means you put a little tick next to that, it's a good shot. Or if you go boom and the stabilizer moves left and right, up and down, you go, well, I knew that shot was coming off. That wasn't a very good shot. So it's an awesome training aid. Definitely. The um, and I guess probably between, oh look, they were probably the two standout, you know, release aid companies. I thought myself um, was definitely Stan and and the True Ball guys, uh, which is XL. Yeah, well, um, what, what I really like the um, the new um, I think it's called the Asc- Ascent Ascent from Scott. Yep, I think that's, yep. that's a really check good back Yeah, it's. They've changed it. Like, they've got a, always a really good um, uh, back tension sort of, you know, with a Longhorn Pro, a Longhorn stainless steel and all that. And then this yep. one's going to be a stainless. They've gone away from the alloy. I've always liked um, heavy release aids, brass, stainless steel and all that. And they've gone to that. And this has got um, an, an adjustable um, set. So it's got two sears. Normally, a back tension's got a sear, which is like a half moon. And one end of it, on it, say, argument's sake, we're talking about a longhorn here. One of this, one side of the sear has got a tiny little indentation, which is a click, mm-hmm. and the other end hasn't. So you can pull a little shaft out, twist it over 180 degrees, put it back in, either have it with a click or without. Some gotcha. people don't like clicks. Some people do. Um, I shoot my back tensions with clicks. Um, it's just, you know, I've always shot them previously without clicks, and then um, I've... I've 
luckily been able to talk to Nathan Brooks and George Rolls and had both um, both times they've been in Australia with their seminars, had a chin wag with them. And George is pretty good about explaining, same as and uh, Nathan as well, is a click's a really good system, especially for 3D shooters when you're shooting up and downhill. It means that, you know, when you've got that click, you know that the shot's just about to go. So if you, when you come into full draw, and you come into your anchor, that's when you click it. You don't click it after you've settled into the shot and all that sort of stuff because then basically you're doing two shots. So as soon as you sort of come back to full draw, start bringing the, your, your string into your face, you want that click to go off, and then once you settle in, then you're onto it. Yep. So with this system that the new Ascent's got is you can adjust how far, how short or how long you want that that click, click into it. Click to be because it's got two sears next to each other that um, are like a cam system. Okay. And that, yeah, and that was really cool. Yeah. It's just, oh, what amazes me with this kind of stuff is, you know, you think of a release aid and you think, well, you know, how much can you do with a release aid? But tell you what, when you start talking to them and, and <laughs> they go, it's unbelievable. Crazy, isn't it? Oh, the technology involved and, you know, the testing and that. Like, they don't release them for like three or four years after they first bring it, like, design yeah. them. That's right. They're just waiting for so many things to sort of do. They're doing so many shots through them. They're, they're giving them to their pros, and the pros have got so much input because, mm. like, these guys are ridiculous. Like, once again, going back, they're shooting a 10-cent piece at, at 20 yards, and they can do it every single time. So yep. if something's not working for them, they'll tell you. Yep. I mean, that, you know, going back, that's that's really what a pro staffer is for, you know, is apart from the yep. marketing side of things, it's the feedback that the company gets from these guys because they're the best of the best. So, um Mate, what what else um, you know stood out to you? You know, we we went we all went wandering, and um, Look, I know I, I I, Gold Tip had a they had a pretty good booth, had an awesome. I didn't really, get, I actually didn't get to see that test they had. But can you talk us through that the Gold Tip test? Yeah, they do the uh, the the stress on the arrow, and it's like a uh, an elect- uh, a power driven easy press, and they have like a module on it, and yeah, they just press the button, and they have all the different other uh, arrow companies out there. Um, and then they put it in there and see at what inch, you know, the arrows are all standard length and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, they put them through the torture test. And you see the gold tip, it actually bottoms out um, on the actual easy press before the arrow breaks. And then they can leave it there for half an hour before, you know, anything ever happens. They release it and, and whatnot. So that's sort of pretty crazy stuff with technology, with, you know, their cross-woven sort of technology like, you know, um, I'm lucky enough to be sponsored by Gold Tip, but even if I wasn't, I'd still use them. I've been using their arrows for that many years and just find their components are that much um, smoother to put together and, and their consistency in arrows. You know, you don't have to be uh, super renal to get a dozen arrows that come within one grain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really good. And by saying that, I've used every single um arrow on the market pretty much um out there to do it over the 30 years you know what i mean before you sort of settle on that particular brand and, and the reasons for is componentry strength of arrow you know um obviously monetary sort of things go into it as well but um the way i sort of look at it you know your top end sort of arrows are all they're all within sort of 30 to 50 dollars bar bar um sort of eastern you know the top end of the eastern yeah, ones, archery, yeah, ridiculous stuff. Yeah, 
yeah, you can get ridiculous with tungsten tips and all that sort of stuff. I'm sort of talking more of the bow hunting three D side, and, sure. And um, yeah, fifty bucks is not really that much considering when you go away for a weekend. You're driving sometimes, you know, eight or nine hours to go to a competition or or flying and 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 doing whatnot for having that peace of mind of accuracy of a top top arrow, you know. Definitely. I think the biggest thing is what I've found, you know, just the last couple of years is um, I guess your spine tolerances throughout a, you know, throughout a dozen arrows. That's yep. that's what's been surprising for me. And um, gold tip and um, actually Black Eagle is the other one that's, you know, they really stood stood yep. high there. The, the consistency has been really, really good. I haven't um, had much to do with Eastern just of late, but um, that, that was one thing that I found that, you know, that stood out. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing, you know. Like at the end of the day, we all, you know, a golf a golf will go out and buy ten different putters to try and find the holy grail, you know. And and archers are definitely the same, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of lucky there's there's a mainstay, and obviously, especially nowadays too, you're getting a lot more Australian companies trying to make these arrows come out and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's an arrow is built to a, a price range and it's also built to a consistency and whatnot and I, I honestly believe that gold tip have got their finger on the pulse you know yep. what i mean like um there's so many top arches out there shooting them and and you know you got the new pierce arrows out which is a micro diameter 166 and and they're shooting a hell of a lot of bloody good tournaments and and winning a lot of good tournaments compared to an arrow that's worth four times more you yeah. know yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, it's easy for us to say that now. I probably wouldn't have said it before going to the ATA, but when you do get to talk to the companies, the guys at the booth, you can you really get to know, you know, where their concentration is, um, you know, what, what direction they're, they're trying to take their companies. You know, the others are just happy to go with the flow. Um, and yeah. then you've got the others that, you know, with, with certain standouts with whatever line of product they had, you know they're really trying to sort of break down boundaries. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the thing with so many different types of arrows that are out there. You know what I mean? And and yeah, you definitely want to have the best one that you believe in. And who's to say what you believe in? No one, no one's got that right. But if someone asks you what type of arrow, you go, "Well, I use these because of this, this, and this." Mm. You know, and and normally they're pretty good reasons. Yeah, definitely. So, I think um, you know the big thing I found when we're talking. To the different booths, it's how open they were with us. Like yes. they just they told you what problems they had. They prob- they told you why they thought it was good, why they changed things. And I'm like, I didn't really expect that, but I guess it was different because technically they're talking to retailers and not customers. And I don't mean that in a you know in a dodgy way, but you know they the retailers obviously have to know this information when they get asked by by I guess the the customer. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what happened with that goat. Um, release aid you know like he said we, we just weren't ready for manufacture to release for 2018 for this show because we still want to put little marks you know for for adjustability we want to do this we want to do that and uh, we've brought out so many other good products at the moment that we didn't want to rush and that's all you want to hear yeah you know you don't want to hear oh she's close enough good on her you know <laughs> give it a little tap on the ass and send it out the door, well, that's not going to work, is it? No, definitely not, especially when the market they're trying to hit too. You know, it's competitive. Oh, for sure. And, and stuff like that can really wreck a company, you know, because they, they send it out and they haven't really done the, the ultimate test of everything. And the next minute, you know, for a lease aid, people are punching themselves in the head because it's going off and, 
it doesn't look good, does it? No, definitely not. Mate, what's a curveball one? What's a curveball one that you've seen you like or didn't ever think well, of that? Yeah, well, the the uh, Garmin site. <laughs> I was waiting for plane. it. <laughs> yeah, like we walked past there. I was, I was there with, with Rachel and Ben, and uh, we walked past and we said, oh, let's have a look at this, you know, because one of our friends over here, Jake, had said, oh, go and have a look at it, you know, and it's nothing. It was just crazy, you know, like the guy that we had to have a chin wag with, they, they had it on a alloy riser. Um, the button was on the front where your top finger, your pointer finger would be, and, and he was just waving that thing around, the whole ATA under, you know, um, sort of fluoros and that, and that thing was working every time he pressed the button, it worked super super quick, uh, clean, and then he started sort of explaining to us how, how you set it up like a normal site, you know, you shoot 20, 30, and, and 40, and you can adjust it all, and then, um, yeah, and that was just a blowout, how neat it looked, um, how how sort of, yeah, it just looked like that. And then obviously we were just sort of sitting there going, wow, that's pretty crazy. And then obviously, like you were saying at the start of the, the chin wag that we were having, all these people asking all these questions, you know, and how will it work in fog, how will it work in rain, what happens if the batteries run out. Well, I know that they've said that there's a fail-safe mode, that if the batteries do run out, all the pins light up like a normal site. Mm-hmm. Um, not too sure on the rain or that. I know that they said that it can go... Um, it's IP67 or 68 rating, which is the meter underwater for an hour or something. So it's waterproof. Yeah, before it falls um, up, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And um, so there's all those sort of things. But I know that Brad Murphy, because he's the editor of Arrowhead Magazine, and um, and Doug Stoyanowski was over there as well, and they're going to get one sent over for testing. So he'll throw all those questions that anyone wants to ask, like, maybe talk to Brad and say what's it do here and what's it do there. But it definitely looked well built. Um, they've invested a fair bit with it. And also um, I've got a Garmin uh, Phoenix 5X watch, which is a GPS watch. It also um, talks to the watch. And when you shoot an arrow, it'll actually tell the watch what direction that arrow's done. <laughs> you know, and you're just sort of sitting there scratching your head just going, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, it, it does a lot of things. It was like you're just walking away going, that's pretty cool. Um, it, it was definitely talk of the ATA show. I mean, there was a lot of people there. I've seen it on social media and that as well. That There's a lot of people trying to say how it won't work. Yeah. But I've got to be honest with Garmin. Man, they've covered all bases. I mean, it's going to have its flaws. It's its first, first release. You know, they'll work on it. But it'll change some shit. It'll definitely change some stuff. It. It just looked good though, it straight did. out of the it box. Was it wasn't it wasn't bulky like there was the IQ side. I think it was the IQ one, and yep. and that yep. and that had that had pins and whatnot on there. So that was that was all good, you know. And it was up. I just cracked the beer. Sorry, that's all right. All good. <laughs> Got to make it comfy. Yeah, and um, I had to do that for Brad anyway. <laughs> the um, yeah, but that one that one there was up on the top right. When you looked back, so obviously it was a fail-safe thing. You always had your sights to go back onto. You press the button also, top right corner, it showed you the distance, and then you worked out which pin. But and and not not bagging the product, it just didn't look as refined. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? it, it was this. It was as you said. It was this the fail-safe option. Mm. Um, you know, it was the basic. You know, put it on there, press the button, it gives you the measurement, to shoot. Um, yeah. But that Garmin, that I didn't, I didn't actually get to ha- handle it and hold it. 
because there was too many people around it. But um, <laughs> you know, I watched it, and yeah, that thing was pretty incredible. Yeah, and it was crazy. And I think it, I, I don't hold me to it, but I think it'd go out to like eighty meters or something like that, depending on the bow and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But yeah, it was. It covered a lot of a lot of things, and yeah, I think. Honestly, that was probably the one where you just walked away and we all sort of, you know, we had meals together and all said it was pretty radical, you know. <laughs> um, whether people like it or not, you know, at the end of the day, um, I can't see a bad thing about it. Like, um, I'm all for people to use a rangefinder to make sure that you're as accurate as possible. So you, if you're going to be shooting at, a, at an animal, you're going to kill it as cleanly as possible, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and if and if this thing makes you a better archer by doing that, well, you know, happy days. Yeah, it's definitely look. It's not going to be for everyone, and, and I'm going to be honest. The price point's not going to definitely not going to be for everyone. Um, no, you know, it's right up there. But for the for the gear but, junkie, and you know, yeah. But it, if you it, put it in perspective, cool. yeah. But if you put it in this perspective, mate, like you look at a a, a normal range finder now. What are they? Two hundred fifty bucks to seven hundred bucks for yeah. a biker or yeah, something very like true. that. And then you buy a really good quality site nowadays, you're going to be going from 250 bucks up yeah, to 500 over, bucks. You'll be over the top so, of it. Yeah, so you sort of look at it and you go, well, it's 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 still within, yeah, it's it's. I think it was 750 bucks for the for the normal one, and then for the one that's GPS compatible with your watch and all that. I think it was 999 retail yeah. US. So yeah. you sort yeah. of um, you're looking at you know 1500 bucks, I suppose, by the time. Taxes and stuff happened, and we'd bring them into the country, you know. Yeah, um, a retail shop, something around that, you know, maybe thirteen fifty, fifteen hundred bucks, something like that. But it's still, yeah, it's expensive. But shit, you know, like I've got a set of Leica binos that I've bought last year for for guiding up in the Cape, and they've got the rangefinder in them. And I tell you right now, they're a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you need a small mortgage for them things. So. Yeah. Just, I'm up. I'm due to update, so oh, it's scaring me. So it'll be a yeah. few months yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, but um, but no, that that was probably the most exciting thing, um, that I I sort of seen for the up and coming archery. Yeah, and I think uh, I think more so. A, a lot of it was because it is such a game changer as well. Like they're really taking a new direction with that, and um, you know the fact that they released it there too was pretty cool. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's good. So obviously, um, yeah, there's there was a lot of those things that were there that sort of uh, people are listening. You know what I mean? That's a good thing I like about mm. about the archery industry now. I think it's going head leaps and bounds. You know, it hasn't been that good that we sort of need a new movie to come out to make it a bit more popular again. Yeah. You know, um, for for that. But the archery industry has obviously stepped up the game in the last couple of years. You know, for well, for the Look at the investment that a lot of them companies, you know, obviously, you know, there's a there's a few companies there that not so much just archery gear, but you know, camo camo companies and um, you know, coolers, whoever thought coolers would be going through the roof. But you know, yeah. those kind of companies, the amount of money they're punching into the sport, you know, it's oh. it's pretty incredible. And and when you you see the size of their booths and you know what they got going on, you're just like, man, it, they they see something or have already seen something that no one else seen. So you know, and that's credit the time, it's yeah. good business. Yeah, the the archery's changing, you know what I mean? Like now you sort of got all these um like you said, coolers and stuff like that. And like um obviously we we're talking about Yeti and stuff like that, but and I've got some of their um drink cups, you know, like uh, their the coffee mugs and that yeah, and they too. are 
but they are unbelievable. They're like, good. They, they definitely work. They hold the heat. They do what they say. But, you know, you sort of, for, for me, I'm being practical in Australia. Um, uh, who's going to pay six or 700 bucks for an esky like stuff? That I'd rather put a couple hundred more bucks on and, and get me angle that I've had since 2010 and been around Australia three times. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly uh, my thinking as well, mate. I, it's hard. It's hard. As much as I could use a you know, decent big cooler, but, you know, yeah, it's hard when you're. Yeah, and that's and, and that's just being realistic, you know yeah, what I mean? Like we, sure. Australia is totally different to America, you know. Like Americans, obviously, yeah, their hunting season, their tag systems, and all that. We can hunt for twelve months of the year. We can go away yep. on every weekend we want. So if you're going to be looking at going away for a couple of days and want to have a big esky and throw ice in and, and do all that, well, good luck to you. But mm. I know that I've, I've, like I said, I've bought one in 2000, 2010. I've had one in '98. And I've still got both those two fridges that I have in my truck, yep. and I haven't even touched them. Yeah, you know what yep. I mean. They've they've worked uh, amazingly well, and I just I've got solar on the truck. I've got everything like that. It's all well set up, and I don't have to worry about going to ice. Yeah, I just, definitely. I mean, and there's you know, granted, you know, there's states there in certain areas that you know they've got to padlock their coolers for for yeah. bears. So you know. We probably can't really do that with a Waco or an Ingle, so it, um, yeah. we don't know it'll be locked in inside of our truck. But um, you know, there's little things like that. I suppose they've looked into, but it was all kind of cool. It was cool just it was checking it's very it all out. Quality. And, it's, it's quality gear, that's for sure. Like, like yeah. I said, I'm using, using their their drink swans and all that stuff, and it uh, definitely works. You know what I mean? And and I've been surprised because I bought them when I was over there. I come back and, and just on the weekend, I made a cup of coffee in the morning when everyone's here. I was off doing stuff with people and then I went into the shed and worked for a couple of hours and I said, I thought, oh, shit, I bloody haven't drunk that coffee. And I went back out and, and it was still warm. Yep. Yep. So that's that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, no, they're really. good. They're definitely. Another one I've uh, I seen and, and for anyone looking for just a – a good all-round day pack. Um, I'm not going to say you're going to pack meat and that out in it, but you proved me wrong. But the Badlands 2200, they're coming out with solid colours. Um, we tried that that pack on. It was a ripping little pack. It just fit your back really well. Just they'd thought about it. It was just one that I, I didn't really think I'd, you know, sort yeah. of, I, I didn't think I'd look at a pack and think, geez, that's that's pretty good. But yeah, no, the, the Badlands 2200, if anyone's looking for a, um, a good little day pack, be good for the run yeah. or something like that. Yeah, well, I've actually got a Badlands one. I'm not too sure on what model it is, and I've had it for about four years, and it's still going strong. Yep, yep. You know, so de- definitely cannot complain. Yeah, I'm not a fan of their, um, you know, their their camo colours or anything like that. But um, they're solid stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a nice looking pack too. You you could wear it in the airport and all that kind of stuff too if you wanted to if you're travelling. So um, yeah, anyone in the market for a day pack, check that out. So yeah, but um, and I think you know. You know, probably wrapping the the ATA up. You know, everything else is probably as as people have seen in in all the marketing. But you know, certainly it was good to um to get a lot of this stuff in your hand. And um, you know, apart from all the the legends we met, you know, um, we had dinner with certain people and and all that kind of stuff. That that was what I really enjoyed. And you know, it was the people that the quiet people that you know um, that really surprised you when you you get them out for a beer. You know, it's uh it's pretty funny hearing their stories. Yeah, well, that's it. And also, like, um, we, we met Ped, Pedro, you know, from Spain. and Oh, and, champion. Um, yeah, top bloke, you know, and he's obviously, he's, his mates were doing the total peep, you know, and I got that's one right. of them the other day. And, yeah, okay, and, yeah. Uh, you know, they're quite bulky looking and all that, but so far, you know, they're, they're pretty bloody good. And, and that's a really good thing for a lot of archers too. Like, you know, everyone 
like we are talking about before. Sometimes the peak never comes back perfect, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And this is going to really help because it can go up to 20 degrees and you've still got a perfect round circle on it. Yeah, so the idea of this one, just to give people a bit more of an idea, so obviously a lot of times we have trouble with a peep coming back squared at our eye. Um, the idea of this new total peep um, is the fact that, as Summers has said it, you got up to a 20-degree difference um, and it'll still look like a perfect hole. So when you're centering your scope up to the to the peep, um, it'll you'll still have a circle to look through. So I think that's, that's look, I'm, I'm testing it at the moment, so the, the jury's out, but I'll let people know, you know, after I shot it for a fair bit and see. Yeah, um, definitely. But, yeah, it seems to be good. But, yeah, it was it was very good. It was very interesting. Absolutely loved it. Like you said, meeting all these people that, you know, you sort of put up on a pedestal and all that. Um, and it was good to actually finally say good day to people and um, have a chin wag with them. I guess, it'd be, you know, to let people know as well, you know, we're, we're not going – Everyone here, back here hunting and the photos and all that, is not going unnoticed. Um, you know, keep that good quality content coming out, going over there. Um, keep shedding it in a good light because it is, yeah, they're watching it. So, you know, a few of the companies we spoke to, um, I've got to give Jerry Redman and, and Brad Smith a wrap for, for Bow Hunt Down Under Films. Um, everyone can say what they want, but, mate, the the way they're, um, their film was taken in by all the companies was unbelievable. Um, yeah, you know yeah. they released that just before they went, and they were showing different companies and that just to sort of let everyone know what what you know what they're up to back here. And I've never seen people's faces look like. And these you know these are people that were actually employed by these companies to you know to to film and photograph you know for for the company and and they're just shaking their head going that's some of the best work we've ever seen. So. Credit to the boys. There's some big things coming out from Bowhunt down under films this year, so um, we'll definitely let everyone know about that. But um, you know, social media will soon soon see all about it too. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. They're they to me they're the, the forefront of of cinematography in Australia and and touching the world. You know, because yep, definitely. especially like you said, you know, you're getting some of the cameramen and and companies there going. Well, we'd actually like you to start doing some photography or filming for us you know and that's a massive kudos for those two guys because they've worked their asses off for a long time and um and they've spent a lot of bloody money on camera gear and all that stuff you know what i mean and still going people don't yeah people don't realize the hours those guys spend in the bush you know i've i've been lucky enough to uh been in the bush with with both of them and watch them film and and um i spent like a week and a half with them and and you just see that it's not a you know, oh, we'll just take this and take that. Like sometimes you can be doing things six or seven times, mm-hmm. you know, just to get that one bit of lighting correct and all that sort of shit, you know. And, and um, yeah, they're the ultimate professionals, I believe. Yeah, if it was um, – and I've, I've said it before to, to a few people, I think, and, and you and I were talking about it. If there was one thing that I took away from the show, it was the reaction to Jerry's work. Uh, Jerry yeah. Brad's work, and that was it was pretty impressive. And you know, you'd have to be proud to say that the boys were from Australia and yeah. doing what we all love doing. So that was that was really really cool. And that's it, you know what I mean? Like like Brad's always the person that's going to be doing it over the shoulder, watching you, getting you in there. Like he's a you know, if not many people know about Brad, he's a he's a pretty sort of quiet fellow. He doesn't really do much social media and all that, but he's a an absolutely amazing guy and um, awesome hunter. Um, I've learnt a shitload of them, and I've, I've been lucky to be able to call him a friend for for quite some years, you know. And uh, I still learn from the bloke every day. And and um, and then you got Jerry, you know. And Jerry, as as we say, does the juju, you know. He 
he the does all man. that. Yeah, he does that bloody awesome slow motion shit and watching Dustin, you know, um, and he's got a flair for it. He's yep. got an eye, you know, and not many people have got that. Ah, definitely you know? not. And uh, nah, so watch that space. That's a that's a book that's just starting to get open. So um, yeah, the boys got some big stuff coming out this year. So looking forward to that. But bloody uh, nice. mate, are you heading down to the Wild Deer Expo? Yes, I am. I wouldn't miss it for the world. There's going to be so many people there. Like you know, um, last time we went down there, we sort of uh, we had a good time and got a few hangovers. But yeah. that's all right. Yeah, no, that's right. It's uh, I think it's good. You know, it's um, it's it's getting bigger each time, especially with the bow hunting community. You know, um, so everyone's going to be down there that I sort of you know look look forward to catching up with. And you've you've got Doug and um, from. Arrowhead, you got Tony from Tusk, you've got Alan from, you know, down under, Bowana down under, and you're gonna have Cayuga down there and um yeah, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of stands there with a lot of important sort of people that you wanna catch up and say good day and have a beer with. Yeah, for sure. I mean this is mainly my first down there, so um I'm really looking forward to getting down there and finally putting a you know, everyone putting a face to the name and, you know, rather than just being on a freaking phone, phone screen, so to speak, you, you kind of get yeah. tired of that after a while. And, um, you know, it's yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. So myself and uh, and buddy Scotty Harris, we're um, we're going to fly down into Melbourne on the Friday night. So um, and then just yeah. drive up. But, uh, yeah, I'll be there for the whole weekend and I'll be, I'll be recording a few more podcasts and that down there. We've got a few lined up. And, That's but, a go. Um, but, yeah, no, everyone, I, I want to meet you and, you know, give us your feedback and tell some stories and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that, you know, everyone knows what's going on and where we'll be about. So, I think it'll be a good one, you know, because Myrtleford, where it's getting held, isn't that big a place, apparently. It's okay. only got a couple of pubs on it. So, you know, everyone's going to be bumping shoulders with everyone, I'd assume. And and um, there's a the caravan park there. Um so that's all sort of been booked out by all the bow owners, so that'll be good. Yeah, awesome. I think that's where I'm staying, apparently. So that's where yeah. I'm told. <laughs> I think that's what I paid for anyway. So, yeah. but, um, no, it's going to be good. So, yeah, no, everyone, if look, if you've got some spare time, even if it's a day and you're close by, you know, support it, check it out. Um, you know, all these, these guys with the boosts, you know, they, they put a lot of effort into, you know, to getting down there. And, and it's up to us to support these things. Otherwise, you know, they, they will disappear, but we'd like to see a lot more of them too. So, yeah, I'd love to see maybe a New South Wales, Queensland one combined or something like that. It'd be good, but yeah, you know, who knows what comes about? Yeah, that's right. I think because obviously it's every two two years. Last time we were down there at Bendigo, I think it was, and that's right. And that was bloody hot. You know what I mean? Like it was forty degree both days. Plus you're in a tin shed, so it was pretty radical. Yeah, um, they so. um. What's the Location? Do you know? Do you know where it is now? Like I know it's Myrtleford, yeah. Well, but... Myrtleford's apparently only about now south of Albury or Donga, okay. so it's going to be a little bit higher from that. And oh, look, I'm sure it's still going to have a bit of temperature about it, but yep. um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I haven't been to this this uh, venue before, so time will tell. Sounds like it's just more beer to cool down. Boom boom. <laughs> man's not a camel mate that's right never meant to, never meant to be either i reckon so but, uh, no, that's gonna be good that's gonna be good all right mate tell us what uh 2018 got in store for you mate let's wrap it up uh, what, uh, yeah well, what are you gonna get up year, to I'm, yeah we'll try and obviously the, the the rut's about to come so obviously try and put a few days on the hog deer um and fallow and red deer so did you draw a permit what? 
No, I've actually uh, I've got a, a friend down there that I've, I've hunted with last year, and then this year I've got a, a family member that um, lives lives down that way. So Perfect. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to uh, put me onto a place. So touch wood, all I've got to do is um, a samba and a and a hoggy, mm-hmm. and um, then I've done all the species, and I've I've definitely had my chance at the samba and that. So I just haven't been uh, been lucky enough or. Uh, Choked, whatever you want to call, from the <laughs> old right. sand. And, um, but the hoggy, yeah, we had a, a good experience last year. I had uh, four days hunting them pretty hard, and and I got to uh, nine meters on a really big stag. But as I was drawing, he he caught my movement, and mm. he was out of there. So that was a bit uh, demoralising. But I was also pretty stoked because you know they're they're um, pretty wide little critters. <laughs> um, so that was that was good, but um, yeah, do that, and then uh, it's it's definitely a different year at the moment. With um, I sort of hunt up the upper upper hunter, and it's very dry up there this year as compared yeah, to last year. So not looking good, mate. But no, I, I, look, I'm sure the quality deer will still there, still have. Uh, there'll be. Some, I was only talking about it though. There'll still be some good heads come out of this season. You know, that's right. I'm sure that's there's some right. boys out there listening now going, "What are you talking about? I know where there's this, and I know where there's that." So that's that's yeah. right. You know what I mean? And then um, yeah, got a couple of mates up in Queensland that have uh, offered for a couple of hunts up in the Brisbane Valley. So I'll uh, I'll take them up there and uh, and You're do busy that. Enough. And then yeah, like uh, and then August will come around, and I'll head up to the Cape with uh, Matty Moore and and uh, do Cayuga adventures. Uh, do the guiding with him up there, so I'll spend several months up there with him yep. and do a bit of fishing and hunting, which um, will only get better each year that we've been up there, you know. Um, yep. the, first, the first year I went up there and I did the cooking for him and, and um, he was just sort of sussing the place out because he sort of got the, the lease on it and um, and that sort of worked pretty well. And then the last year his parents come up and they did the cooking and I was one of the guides and Matt was one of the guides and then Smithy come up for a couple of weeks um, mid sort of September October and and allowed me to go away and do my annual hunt that I do with my mates yep. up in the Cape you know so I do that but yeah last year was a bit of a cracker we we got some really good pigs and met some awesome people and um, I think this year like they're having an awesome wet season up, up there at the moment and, and the amount of piglets and and pigs that we seen last year and quality bulls that we seen that we never got an arrow into that. Mm. I think this year will just be better, you know. Yeah, I'm going to. Um, well, obviously, you know, everyone knows men been overseas, but um, yeah, depending on what tags are drawn or not drawn, um, yeah, hopefully I might see that this year up there. So it will see what the calendar brings and what spare time I got. So um, yeah, it's a, I'm really it's, looking forward to getting up to Maddie's. I um, I love that country up there. It's a definitely a really good situation that he's got up there. You know, like we're um, we're in the homestead situation, so. Um, you've got running water, you know, hot shower, and you've got to run uh, flushing toilets and that, which is which is always good, you know. And um, not that we get soft had, or anything. No, 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 we've had several women come up there and no, also that's... like that. But it's just you, you, you're talking thirty, like the average temperature is thirty five during the day, and and then when you're walking the creeks and that, you're walking on hot sand and you're walking yep. on rocks and stuff. And so, you know, let's just say it's it's forty something, and then. You know, it's some some people get a bit of chafe or whatever like that because you're sweating your freaking ass off, and then yep. yeah, you can go back and bloody sit under a fan and get get fed awesome tucker and uh, have a few sherbets and tell a few lies and then go to sleep. You know, and get up and, and do get it up all and, again. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're 
we're um, sort of we've we've been looking at it as well. Like we because the property's so vast that um, to get to the back boundary it takes about two and a half hours just because of the the roads that are on there, you know. And yeah. um, and so we're sort of looking at maybe doing a couple of out camps um, for that for the people that want to want to go out there, you know, and spend a night out there and um, and and swag it and still have, be able to have a share and still be able to you know go to the dunny in a drop box or something, but. Um, it just means you're going to be joining on the spot where you can get out of your swag and, uh, you know, potentially bloody whack a ball, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds sounds real good. So, no, just, yeah, it's, as you know, it's time management. So I've just got to, um, yeah, see what the next few few months brings in the, the tag sort of system back in the States. And then, uh, yeah, if nothing comes of that, then we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see what I can line up up there. So. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see why you want to go back every year, you know, like it's uh, definitely an amazing place with all the, the stuff you can do over there. That's yeah, cool. and, it's, and it's just something, it's more thing, it's just like the boys go to New Zealand every year and stuff like that, it's just more thing, I enjoy it. I mean, obviously, half the enjoyment I have is researching and applying for tags and stuff like that, so, yeah. um, you know, as I mentioned to you there before, I've, I've got um, a pretty good guest coming on next couple of weeks that um, it's going to help us a lot out, especially the Aussie Aussie guys looking to get over there. Um, we've got someone coming on that will help us with the information on how to get started on that. So I'm um, looking forward to that And that's going to gonna that be one. huge. Yeah, that's going to be huge. Yeah, just trying to, you know, keep it, you know, relative to us and, and, and put it in our language. So, um, yeah, that should help heaps. But, um, no, big things as always, always planned. And I know you'll get – I know you'll rip into it, mate. You'll, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what comes of the rut, mate. It's uh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, well, I'll try and scare a few things. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can only try. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean. A um, couple of mates have already sort of got a couple of good animals on the deck already. You know that have been allowed to do that, and um, because there's quite a few exclusion zones at the moment from 2017 late, where the uh, population of deer have exploded, so mm. they've actually. Um, open the deer season up before the first of March, you know, like yep. so. Blokes are out there shooting velvet bucks and stuff, and and uh, there's been a few things on social media sort of saying, oh, heck, how can that happen? Well, you know, if you own property, you're allowed to do it also. And there's, I think there's about eight or nine different areas all around New South Wales that yep. have been opened up to, you know, we've got to knock knock a few deer on the head. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's only it's only going to get out of hand, and it's something that we all need to think about as well. And you know, we want. As much as the, you know, we got to, yeah, we want to hunt them, but we have got to sort of make sure that the, they're not overpowering, sort of, you know, the cattle guys and that kind of stuff as well. So, you know, if we can get out there and help a few farmers out, you know, listen to them, let it, you know, let them tell the story of what they want done, and if we can help, you know, make sure we're the ones there doing it in the right way. So, and it's such good tucker, like buddy, oh. don't don't ever think, you know, it's not, it's it's like right, yeah, right might, now. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is right phenomenal. You know yeah. what I mean. Um, I eat, I eat probably seventy percent of my diets venison of some sort. You know yep. what I mean. And if it's not that, it's friggin' fish that we've been catching. Yep. You know. So um, yeah, no, it's definitely a way of life. You know what I mean. And and it's it's you know, no one's going to look at you if you shoot bloody half a dozen does. You know nope. what I mean. Just up them. No, get into them. Put them in the put them in the esky mode and uh, yeah they're good tucker for sure. So it um oh, I think in that now we're talking about venison. I think in that the chittle trips on the cards that stuff yeah. is good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I haven't had a bad bad deer. You know, obviously everyone tastes slightly different and all that. But what surprised me was um, Rusa. Yeah, I didn't think Rusa was that bad. You know what I mean? Like 
Um, yeah, I good. thought it was bloody good. The chewing the, um, that I had of my stag that I shot, he was just pre-rut, sort of just starting to get into it, and he had bloody, like, you know, 15 mil of fat on him, and he was some of the best-eating venison I've ever eaten. I had rooster and buffalo sausages. I think they were from Smithy, actually. But, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, they were unbelievable. You can only eat one, they're that strong and big. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. oh, man, they were tasty. Yeah, buffalo yeah. and rooster. Yeah, nah, very good, very good. But, um, yeah. Well, mate, thank you very much for giving us your insight, sharing your story, and um, and as always, a good little laugh. So I'm glad those teams yeah. went down well, mate. Yeah, they did, mate. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple, so therefore, Brad, I've, I've ticked the box for him. I cracked a tinny while talking to you. <laughs> Good work. It's yeah. all about fun here. So we'll, um, but guys, <laughs> you know, everyone, if I, if you see him down at the uh, down at the expo, go up to him, say good day, and um, you know, share a few stories with him. And I know he's all ears. So, and um, if you need any tech help between him and Brad Murphy, they're your man. Yeah. No uh, worries. Awesome, mate. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah, no worries, mate. Look forward to it, and thank you for your time. No worries, buddy. Good on you. All right. Catch you later. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hunting Camp Down Under. Send me a direct message with any general questions or further information on any of the topics that were discussed during the podcast. Or if you have a great story to tell and would like to share it, be sure to hit me up. I'd love to have you on the podcast. You can also email me at huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com. That's it from me this week. May the hunting gods be with you on your next adventure. Bye for now.